0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who are you? What a fine question. We asked and are asked it ourselves often throughout our lives. It used to be when you wrote a check back before debit cards. You had to break out major forms of ID and a major credit card to prove who you were. That you were worth the piece of paper you were about to sign over in exchange and payment for maybe simply groceries or even thousands of dollars of merchandise. For merchants at Christmas, taking checks brought a great deal of angst. Who are you? As a parent, you might ask this question in more subtle form of those seeking to court your children. DNA might be a suitable start. The older your offspring get, the tougher the question of who are you may be to ascertain. So you pray a lot. Often we ask the question, who are you, with a very clear and honest motive. Does the one presenting themselves to us have the authority to be doing that which they are desiring to do? A notary will ask for ID to be sure you are the one you are presenting yourself to be at the financial signing the finalizing of a mortgage. A medical power of attorney tells a health care team that, in fact, you are the party that has the authority to make medical decisions for someone unable to make them for themselves. A similar POA might extend to their finances, even if only while they are unable to take care of them temporarily. When the priests and Levites from Jerusalem came to John the Baptist, they wanted to know who he was. By what authority did he do the things he did, specifically baptizing? His confession was simple. I am not the Christ. The Christ, the anointed one, would have had the power, the authority of God to baptize with his very nature as God in the flesh. John also denied being called Elijah. Recall, the prophet Elijah had not died, but was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. John denied being Elijah returned. Are you the prophet? This was the one promised in Deuteronomy that would be like Moses, in whom God would put his words. Those not listening to the words spoken by the prophet would be required to answer for their failure to do so. They would be judged. John claims nothing of himself other than being a voice, a voice in the wilderness crying out, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. John was making a path for the one that was coming after him, one who actually was before him from eternity. He was calling sinners to repentance, to prepare their hearts to greet their Lord. They were to repent and be baptized, marking them as those trusting in the redemption promised through faith in the coming Christ. There was authority in what John was doing, and his exercise of authority was noticed by the Jews. Even so, they had no intention of submitting to that authority. They did not recognize it. John, at one point, called them, along with others, a brood of vipers. The image of vipers is not one of life, but of death. John, on the other hand, claimed no personal authority for what he did. He was simply the voice, the mouthpiece for the one with all authority the God of heaven whose son had come down and entered creation to redeem it. John had a very high place in the coming of Christ. He was the last one to be a watchman and warn the people of the coming Messiah. It was John who would baptize Jesus as part of the great reversal that would take place. John baptized repentant sinners for the forgiveness of their sins. He then baptized Jesus who, being without sin, took the sins of all upon himself, beginning his journey to Jerusalem where he would suffer and die for them on the cross, his innocent body given up, a sacrifice as the very Lamb of God for the sins of all the people. Who are you? It is also important for us to remember the answer to the question as we gaze upon and ponder the many images we see in this season, the infant Jesus in a manger and him crucified on the cross. Who are you?" as we contemplate his entering creation in this season of advent. John's answer to those sent, for, sent from Jerusalem to ask, "Who are you?" was, "I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal, I am unworthy, I am, I am not worthy to untie." John was already decreasing. So the Christ could be increasing. John was not the one who would take on the sins of the world and suffer. But he would suffer for the full gospel he preached and be beheaded for calling sinners to repentance. We also suffer for the gospel we have heard. We suffer due to sin in this world and sin within our own flesh. It is the same sin that John called those who were living and walking unknowingly in the presence of Jesus to repent, and be baptized, to prepare as the kingdom of God was coming near in the flesh, in Jesus. Of the Gospels, Luke gives us the most detailed account of John and his preaching of repentance and his exhortations to the people that receive his baptism. It reads, And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered to them, Whoever has two tunics is to share it with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also come to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also ask him, And what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not exhort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, but be content with your wages." As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Their sin, like all sin, was grounded in not being happy with what God has given, not trusting in his provision for our lives. It led to cheating others, harming one's neighbor, and in the case of Herod, taking another's wife, that of his brother. In our sinful condition, it is important to ask continually as we think on Jesus, Who are you? and confess him as the Christ and the Lord of our lives, the one in control of all things for the benefit of our earthly and eternal salvation. It may be especially difficult in this past year where nothing has seemed normal and our lives have been turned upside down. It'd be difficult to trust and believe in Jesus and being in control of our lives. It's hard to rejoice, as our epistle tells us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Difficult. We have not been able to do all the things we want to do, many of the things we would rejoice over. It causes us to sin as the devil tempts us. To question the love of our Heavenly Father and to not trust our Lord to fulfill all of our needs out of His fatherly divine goodness and mercy as we feel needs not met. We feel our need to be near family and with them, for our, our need for intimate connection to those we love, holding them, hugging them, kissing them, and the need has often gone unmet. There's also our need for companionship and the fellowship of friends has been curtailed. You've noticed we had no Advent dinners this year and we have missed that fellowship as well. Then we might look to the difficult and often unmet needs of our youth to engage in social activities that allow them to mingle and meet others versus having the development of their lives and relationships put on hold. How do you meet new people? How do you date and explore relationships? How do you find the God-pleasing spouse you, trust that, you try and trust that God has out there for you? The one living in Idaho that you would have met if the conference, the youth event, even possibly vacation with friends had not been canceled due to this disaster of a year. For many, it may be the temptation to not trust in God to provide for the most basic of life's necessities as jobs have been lost or cut back, as paying bills has become more difficult or as education has come to a halt or been drastically altered. For others, it may be the temptation to trust that, to not trust that they will get the care they need, either due to the heavy load on the health care system that might prevent them from seeing their doctor or the inability to be with family that can help them through medical issues and daily needs. In all our temptation and sin, the voice that spoke through John has the same authority and the same message. Repent and be baptized. Having been baptized, trust in its power to save, remembering what God has done in you through water and his word. Repent daily, trusting in his promise to forgive your sins, help save and comfort you in all things. By his grace and mercy, we have been able to keep our doors here open God has preserved this place and kept us from experiencing any outbreak connected to our worship together. He has allowed his word to be heard and sacraments to be given and his people to hear that their sins are forgiven. That is something to rejoice over. Jesus' authority to do all this for us was questioned too. He was asked, who are you? He was asked the question while in the temple. They asked are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. John, the voice, knew him and confessed not being his son, the Christ, but rather humbled himself as being not worthy to untie Christ's sandals. God the Father identified and confirmed Jesus as his son as he was baptized by John. And Jesus, not seeking his own glory, points out that it is the Father who glorifies him. And Jesus was glorified. He was lifted up on the cross for our sins, punished for us to win forgiveness for us poor, miserable sinners. He gives that forgiveness by the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of his word, holy baptism, and his sacrament. Who are you, Jesus? This might sound like a familiar answer to that question. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. That is the confession that answers the question of, who are you? 2020 and all its troubles our doubts, fears, and resulting sin can't take the truth of God entering creation to save his people away. In the same way that it could not be taken from John as he felt the executioner's sword or any of the disciples as they confessed and placed their hope in Christ unto death. It is a confession that Jesus, God in the flesh, is our Lord and God. That he has redeemed us and given us eternal life with him. Baptized into Christ, sin has no power over us. We are children of God and heirs of his heavenly kingdom, no matter the difficulties that come our way or threats that may come to our lives. God has opened heaven and come to us. Emmanuel, God with us to save us. So, In this season of Advent, rejoice in the name of Jesus. Amen.